unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. So here's a question for you. When you sit down to write an email, you are presented in your mind with a barrage of questions and problems. Not only how to get it opened, but how to get click-throughs. And an even bigger problem, which most people don't deal with, is how does your subject line in the email affect the number of sales you get all the way down the line in the funnel? Our guest today, returning champion Donnie Bryant, has spent a lot of time thinking about these questions and a lot of time rigorously testing different approaches to come up with some definitive answers. Donnie has written a great new book, Subject Line Science, which we'll talk about today. To refresh your memory, it's been three years since Donnie was on the show. Donnie has generated over $130 million in sales for his clients, which include Agora Financial, Dan Kennedy's GKIC, and Early to Rise. He shared the stage with copy legends like Paris, Lompropolis, Clayton Makepeace, and the other David, David Deutsch. Today, Donnie is going to zero in on his current focus, which is email subject lines. I've read his book, and you should too. I've learned a lot. But even before you see his book, you're going to learn plenty on the show today, just as you probably already have learned that copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you hear or how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Donnie, welcome back, and thanks for joining us again today. Thank you for having me back. I just had a flashback. I remember writing copy for Charles Schwab and they deleted 70% of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the lawyers had a field day with your copy, right? <laughs> we can't use any of this. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, well, good. I, I really am excited about your new book. And I mean, I, I know you are a very versatile copywriter. You've done everything imaginable. But lately, how did you get so focused on email subject lines? It's become an obsession for me, especially over the last maybe three or four years. But it really started going back to the beginning of my copywriting journey. Uh, one of my early influences was John Carlton. <laughs> and he's not bad for subject lines. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> I, I began being interested pretty early on and I fell in love with email marketing. Uh, but it really became more of a focus subject lines, that is, in maybe 2014 or 2015. People started asking me all the time. I don't. I don't know how to get emails open. Nobody opens my emails. How do you do it? So, being the uh, opportunist that I that I am, I started to answer the questions and and to provide solutions for that. So, it's because it became a, an obsession. Well, it became a profitable area for me to focus on. I just got deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole. And over the last, uh, I think it was well, I wrote a uh, co-wrote a book about email marketing in 2017. Started a membership group. I did, I had a product 
a few years after that. And it just, you know, deeper and deeper into the the <laughs> the rabbit hole of subject lines. In 2021, <clears throat> I said, let me just, I'm just going to go really gung-ho on this. And and so it's that's kind of the, the path that, that's happened. I made 101 uh, subject line videos on on YouTube just to create create a body of work there and you know, that has a, a life of its own now so so that's that's the long long the short story long i guess yeah no that that's good i mean in one way or another you've been focused on this for 9 years and and focusing on it not like you know an ivory tower researcher but like someone who's actually doing it teaching it working with other people working for clients making a lot yes. of money for people with this so just off the top of your head, what would you say are the biggest mistakes people are making with their subject lines? I think different categories of people make different mistakes. <laughs> okay. Um, but if I had to broadly categorize, because I, I don't want to uh, overly generalize, but I do think it's true. There are a, a lot of entrepreneurs who they just write boring subject lines. They're boring. <laughs> they, they don't realize that, or they, I think they take for granted that people will read they signed up for my email list, they should read and I'm just going to tell them what's inside. And so they write boring emails. And that's, that's the greatest sin that we can create that we can commit is being boring. Kind of on a similar problem is even if you write somewhat interesting subject lines, oftentimes people will write, they all sound the same from one email to the next one campaign to the next, they all sound the same. So people begin to go they ignore that because I've read that before. I know what this email is going to say or what they're trying to sell. And there's just no incentive for them to open. Uh, so that's another big one. I think another one kind of going down the, that same uh, path, <laughs> becoming even if they're interesting, uh, there are there's an over-reliance on benefits or claims. If every subject line is just, here's how to double your open rate. Here's how to triple your click-through rate. And it's, and it's like, at some point, <laughs> it's, you can't there's there's only so many benefits that you can use obviously you want to use them but if you never do anything else it becomes very repetitive and boring and you don't give people an opportunity to have the full emotional experience of communicating with you you're only appealing to one thing which is that benefit or their desire to achieve a, a particular outcome so there's that on the other end of the spectrum i think there are a number of people this is like a different category of marketer but they go overboard and they make insane claims. <laughs> They're just unbelievable. <laughs> you see, you know, these people, <laughs> I know them. I've seen them. I, sometimes I've advised them, Hey, Hey, tone it down. So people might possibly believe you, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if you have, you know, a very great, the product is amazing and produces amazing results. If you say something completely unbelievable, people will assume that you're lying <laughs> and they won't pay attention. So you kind of have to moderate that, but people do try it. And maybe occasionally you can throw something out there that's really wild, but you want to be careful about overdoing that. And then another problem that I see a lot, and these are even from some big marketers, is when every subject line tries to sound personal, like, hey, did you text me? It's a fine, it's a fine subject line. But if every subject line sounds personal, the trick doesn't work anymore. <laughs> People will open the email, see that it's not really a personal email, and the appeal is gone. So, so I think those are kind of the big ones. The, the worst one is being boring. Uh, but oh, yeah, those yeah. are multiple 
mistakes that people make uh, that I see all the time and try to correct all the time. Totally agree with you. And I, I think the, the most important takeaway from what you just said, you said a lot of great stuff. The most important takeaway for me is you gotta, you gotta change it up. You gotta have some variety. Yeah. Otherwise, right. And I will tell you, I haven't, I've spent a lot of time thinking about headlines. I have not spent nearly enough time thinking about subject lines. And when I wrote to my list this week, after reading your book, I wrote a very different kind of subject line. So yeah, it's, <laughs> and you have what I think, well, we'll talk about more, but I think you have 11 categories of subject lines with variations yeah. of each in your book. Most people, right. you, you need, you need to do that. Let, let me ask you sort of a, an impact question sure. with social media, clickbait, intense polarization in politics, all those things going on right now. What important changes have you noticed um, about email and what does that mean for subject lines? Sure. Uh, one impact that I've seen is there's two camps. Once again, different categories of marketers kind of think differently about this. You see a lot of people leaning all the way into this. <laughs> they they want to polarize. And I actually am a fan of polarization. I think fair and balanced is boring. I think it's is dangerous. <laughs> you, you don't have to be like uh, obnoxious and you don't have to be uh, vitriolic, but, you, but there's nothing wrong with, with leaning to one side or the other on a topic. I, I, I don't know if I told you this. I, I, remember, I had a client once uh, and uh, it wasn't a subject line, but his email said the stock market could do two things right now. It could go up or it could go down. Really? <laughs> Newsflash. You don't say. I don't need to read the rest of that email because <laughs> you've just told me something important. You're not going to tell me anything. Pick a side. Tell me why you believe that and go with it. So you see people that are leaning in and they're saying the stock market's going to, you know, it's going to collapse or there's, you know, the whichever political party you don't like, you know, they're crooks and thieves. And the truth is both sides are all sides are crooked. <laughs> That's true. Right? Uh, so you can, you can absolutely, it's a true, but, but you pick a side. So there are people leaning into that. There are other people who are trying to stay so far out of it. They, they won't talk about some of the things that they are passionate about because they're afraid of offending somebody or alienating somebody or getting unsubscribes or on social media, un, you know, people unfollowing or trolling you or whatever. So there, there's kind of bounce. You got to, you got to walk there. So, so I'm more in favor of, here's, here's what I really believe. We have to kind of take a step back from subject lines and think about what the, what the big picture is. The most important thing that we can do as email marketers is demonstrate that we are for somebody and that we were specific, we have specific value and we're going to deliver on that value on a consistent basis. And so then when, when you send an email, the subject line is kind of secondary to who it comes from. So like, for example, if, if you have a friend who sends you an email that says, something crazy. Uh, it could be, <laughs> you know, it could be a huge claim. You know, I thought I, I thought I was going to die this morning, or it can be something that's, you know, like an attack on somebody, but it's your friend. You're going to open the email because you know, he's going to tell you something that's interesting, funny, or important, something that's relevant to you. And so as we think about email marketing, we have to think about how we get people onto our list and how we show them 
what kind of content we're going to share, what kind of products we're going to present, and what kind of worldview we have. We want to invite people into our world. And so when you take a stand, it's okay for you to lean into that. We got to, I think we have to uh, pick our side, whatever that means. I'm not just saying politically uh, on any side, <laughs> right? One of my favorite subject lines, I didn't write it, but it, it said, uh, the evils of vegetarianism. Is it evil? No, but, <laughs> but there's, you're picking a side, right? On that topic, it's, it's not that serious. You know, it's not going to end the world. Everyone has their opinions, but you've decided to tell people how you feel and you're going to have, you're going to polarize in that way. So I think that's, that's the main thing that we need to focus on. The world is probably not going to get any better in terms of uh, the, the animosity between sides, <laughs> the picking of sides. Even Twix had the right side and the left side, which I thought was brilliant marketing. <laughs> uh, I'm going to buy the right side Twix only, right? It's, it's really great because now you get to pick a side. They created a tension that didn't exist before. These are both right side Twix, not possible. <laughs> uh, I think the world's getting more and more like that. What we have to do is pick where we're going to stick our flag in the ground and stand there boldly, whatever that means. And when the, when the winds change, the political environment changes, the economy changes, we can be who we are and trust that people will connect with us on that, uh, on that, on those principles and on that foundation. So I think, I don't know if that really answered the question, but, <laughs> but that's what, no, I'm, that's what I, I'm seeing. I, I, I think it's good. I mean, you know, we're, we're living in a more strongly opinionated, polarized world. Be part of that world. Show where you stand in it. I like that. Nathan, what do you want to say? Two things that I wanted to add real quick. You were talking about the benefits-driven subject lines. And I found that curiosity usually works great and outperforms benefit-driven. So Add some curiosity to your subject line sometimes. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I agree 100%. And in the book, really half of the book is about curiosity. Nice. <laughs> uh, one of the things, and it's in the book, I didn't go in depth in it, but I remember, matter of fact, David, you remember this, when I, I did that little mini training on the Agora financial call, and I was talking mm -hmm. about curiosity. Well, you may not remember the call, but you remember that it happened. And I, yeah, I mentioned I a study, this is a clinical study where people were given the option to, there's a magic trick and we're gonna tell you how it was done. You can know now, I mean, you can know later, like tomorrow, I can't remember these specifics. I'll tell you tomorrow, or you can risk getting an electric shock to find out now. And people say, shock me, I gotta know. The curiosity is more powerful than the desire not to get shocked <laughs> with electricity. Curiosity is the, as, and Claude Hopkins says, it's one of the strongest human incentives. I think it's, I mean, and when we're not in dire straits, like we're going to die, curiosity may be the most compelling feeling that we have. Yeah. And then the follow-up question that I had, I see the need for diversity and inclusion, and it's kind of a value that a lot of us hold, but I see a lot of times where it's in marketing as a whole they forfeit the actual market to try and include people who aren't part of the market. And a lot of times it ends up backfiring. I wanted to get your take on that since you were talking about polarization and division. And I wanted to contrast it with the constant drive to be more inclusive nowadays. I'm all for inclusion on the, in the big picture, right? Everyone should have an equal shot at everything. Everyone should be treated with dignity and respect. However, this is my email list. 
I'm gonna talk about what I want to talk about. And if you like it, then you come along. If you don't like it, you go read somebody else's emails. I'm fine with that. So I think as long as we're not being disrespectful to people on things that are that pertain to their who they are, like as humans, I don't I actually don't have a problem with insulting people's opinions. <laughs> right? I have a different opinion, and you don't have to like it. I'm not here for you then. It's fine. And and I, I this is what we all. Nathan, you definitely know this, right? <laughs> People don't like everything that we do. It's fine. Yeah. Now, I'm not running a billion dollar company. I'm not Budweiser or Bud Light or whatever. I don't have to worry about that. But with my clients, it's the same thing. If they're if they're conservative leaning, we'll talk trash about Joe Biden. That's fine. Some people wouldn't dislike that. They need to read somebody else's email. They're not going to buy from us anyway, in all likelihood. So I think we, we had to not insult people on who they are as humans, but many of their positions, it's an opinion. And I have a different differing opinion. And I know there are people who have a sim similar opinion. So I think it's, again, we had to be careful about that. But polarization, I think, is it works in our benefit. Well, I just think if you're selling Twix, your marketing shouldn't probably be inclusive to people with diabetes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, w one of the things is, you know, and this is one reason I won't work for public companies anymore. And why you probably don't work for Schwab anymore. When a company gets <laughs> above the radar, when a company is publicly traded, uh, when a publicly is, you know, in the public conversation, marketing isn't about marketing anymore. It's as much about politics as anything yeah. else. And, you know, that's that's not what I want to do. I, marketing, I, I want to help people. I want to sell stuff. I want to help companies grow. So, okay, I, th I think we've beaten that one to death. One thing <laughs> I found fascinating and very valuable in your book was the observation and everyone should listen closely to this observation. Winning attention up front doesn't guarantee sustained attention over time. Meaning, I think, yeah, you can get them to open the email with a great subject line, but that doesn't mean they're going to read your email. Could you talk about some ways to keep them reading all the way through the end, maybe to the point where they'll click? Yeah, sure. Uh, I want to say this. I got an email from a well-known marketer within the last <clears throat> week or so. And the subject line was, I had a dream about your mom. <laughs> it's an interesting subject line. I actually clicked it because I wanted to see what he was going to say. He's teaching, he's selling products, he's in the marketing space. And I wanted to see how he was going to spin it. He didn't bother. He said, and, and in, in, in my dream, she told me to sell you this thing. I didn't read the rest of the email because he didn't even try to turn it into a fun story. I know you didn't dream about my mom. I know you didn't. You couldn't have dreamt about the million people on your list. Everyone's mom. That would be a weird dream. <laughs> but I but I wanted to play yeah. along. I wanted to play along. And he didn't there was he didn't sustain the tension. He didn't tell a story. So this is something that we definitely need to think about. If we focus on the open rate exclusively, then we a lot of times we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Because the open is obviously just the first thing. If we could take opens to the bank, <laughs> then fine. Let's get people to open, but that's not where it's at. We need people to read. We need people to be emotionally effective or intellectually affected and take in, in, a, in the mindset to take action. Uh, so, and, and you kind of alluded to it. <clears throat> we, we want to tell, well, first thing we want to do is make the subject line connect to the body of the email. Set an expectation in the, in the subject line that you're going to actually pay off. I remember, this is a side note, one subject line that the Agora Health division sent out a lot 
So it must have worked really well. But it said something like breaking four shampoo brands cause cancer. I want I want to read that. And the email doesn't mention shampoo. <laughs> and the sales letter never mentioned shampoo. And so they sent it a lot. So it must have worked to an extent. Uh, I saw it probably a dozen times in over the course of two years, some variations on it. <clears throat> but I do not recommend that we do that. You want to set an expectation that you pay off. You say how to make a million dollars and the email is like invest in dividend stocks and you'll be a millionaire when you're 75. <sighs> well, you got me excited about being a millionaire. I assumed it was sometime, you know, within the next, within the foreseeable future. So you want to set an expectation that you can meet. Now you should set, set an exciting expectation. So which is why, to Nathan's point, sometimes curiosity, you're not making a claim. You're introducing an idea or you're teasing at a, a problem or a, a situation in the, in the world in their, in your readers' lives, and they just want to know about that. So you haven't fooled them into thinking you're going to talk about something exciting. So anyway, you said the correct expectation up front. And a couple of things that yeah. you can do. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You no, I mean, I, I'm thinking more and more as, as much as I have spent time trashing it, my own background as a journalist, especially in this era, not just with emails, but social media and other things is really paying off because you actually have to be able to take a topic and develop it and give people interesting and valuable information anyway. And, and I think that's what you're saying in your own way, but please go ahead. It's true. I think that we've kind of lost that, especially in, in the social media milieu where, where most things are short form. I just had a conversation with an entrepreneur yesterday who has who gets really great results from email, but he said he was having a conversation with one of his subscribers who reads every email. Uh, there should be no more than two hundred words, but you read all of them though. You're you you felt passionate enough about what I'm sending you to tell me you wish it was shorter. You probably wish it was shorter because you want to read all of it. You you feel compelled to read all of it, and then you oh I you know I wish I could have done that faster. So we. <laughs> But I think people are kind of conditioned to think things should be short. But when they're very, when it's very interesting, very valuable, you can, if you can draw out the curiosity over time, people keep reading, people keep watching videos, you know, that's not a problem. And we often find that longer form performs better. That's, that even includes an email. Now there's different ways you can do email, of course, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. But then you send them to a long form sales page or a long form video sales letters. Short isn't necessarily the way it has to be. So to your point, the ability to turn a story or an idea into a story or the idea to introduce a mystery and then don't pay off the, you know, tell what the mystery is right away. If you solve the mystery, the tension is gone and I can quit watching, quit, quit reading, quit being engaged. So using story, using mystery, if you, if there's like some anxiety that, you know, your audience feels, then don't solve it right away. Talk about how you know, what it really is. Maybe, maybe they don't understand what it really is. They probably don't. And the reason that it's a problem for them is because they don't understand it properly. They don't understand the cause. They don't understand <clears throat> the full, full blown effects of it if they let it linger. And so you can talk about these things before you say what it is and what the solution is. So you have those things <laughs> as tools to keep people engaged, keep attention over time. So long enough for them to click, long enough for them to mentally be engaged in what you're saying. I do need to do something about this. It's not just you get an open and then you solve the problem or you get an open and then you disappoint them so they don't care about the problem anymore. 
You want to engage them intellectually and emotionally so that they will take an action. And those are tools. The other thing I think that we, again, going back to that idea we mentioned before, is creating a relationship where people know what you stand for. They know that you care about, maybe <laughs> they should have the illusion that you care about them personally. But if nothing else, you care about what they care about. And you are capable of helping them. So then when they know they can trust you, they feel some sort of parasocial relationship with you, they'll read just like it's your friend. Like, okay, I read everything that John Carlton sends, every word of it, because I know he doesn't waste a single word and all of it's going to help me, right? And it doesn't matter how many he sends. I'll read all of them. It doesn't matter what time he sends it. I'm going to find it and I'll read it. So those are things that that we can do and should think to do to make sure people are reading the emails and, and moving into the next phase of what we want them to do, which is to click and to buy something or to register for something or check something out. Great stuff. That's really valuable. Thank you. And and you're talking about the click. We all think about the click. We all think about conversion. One thing in your book that, that really, I've had vague thoughts about it, but I think you really nailed it down. What you found regarding, you can get a high open rate, but just because you get a high open rate, even just because you get a high click-through rate, doesn't mean you'll get the highest number of conversions. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And a lot, in a lot of cases, you see that there's an inverse correlation. Higher opens, lower click-through rate. I've, we've probably all gone through that if you've worked on multiple campaigns. And it could be social, you know, paid, or rather paid, paid media, paid ads, email, whatever we're using, you oftentimes will find an inverse relation because we get them excited about something. And we're unable to, or just we, we've misled them. The most exciting thing I can say, we put it up front and then we disappoint. We fall short of what expectation we set in the beginning. And so here's what subject lines can do. And it's so weird. When I saw it, I remember seeing it maybe 2017 on a huge mailing. Well, it was email, 700,000, something like this, 800,000 emails sent, sent out. And <laughs> this is crazy. The open rate was, well, we said split test two subject lines. And it's in the book. There's, I can't remember the specific numbers. I should have it in front of me, but the subject, the subject line A had a higher open rate, a significantly higher click-through rate, and like half of the conversion rate when it came to sale, the sale, sales. Why? <laughs> it, it doesn't, logically we think when you open an email, we're all on equal footing because what's inside the email is the same. And what's on the other side of the click is the same, but it's actually not true because the subject line frames everything that comes afterwards. Same thing with the headline. It frames the entire conversation that you're going to have. It frames the reason that I read, decide to read or not, is what I see in the subject line. And now what I think I'm looking to solve, or what I think I'm looking to learn more about, or I think I'm looking to buy, the entire tone is set by the subject line or the headline. And so, of course, it frames everything else that they read. If you get them thinking about fear, and then you go in a different direction in the body of the email or on the sales page. There's confusion, there's disconnection. And so you'll find it doesn't necessarily turn into conversions. And so ideally, we will have, it, it doesn't always come natural, right? We had to think about these things and study to see our audience, how they react to different things. But ideally, we'll, we'll be able to use a subject line to put people in the correct uh, mindset to receive the information you're going to share with them, to desire to take action or to feel that agitation of, I need to solve this. This really is an issue, maybe more of an issue than I ever realized. And the tension is there. I need to learn more. I need to fix this. 
and that turns into clicks and conversions. And if we don't con have consistency across from the beginning to the end, well, we set the, set the tone in the beginning, but if we don't deliver on that throughout, uh, we'll find the conversions fall off and sometimes really badly. <laughs> so that's why that's, that's one of the reasons it's super important to begin properly with a, a really intelligent, and I say intelligent, <laughs> not meaning brainy, but well thought out strategic subject line and or headline and both. Well, I mean, I, I understand why that doesn't happen. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I appreciate it, but I understand there's this tension, you know, there's this, you know, one mind says, I want to, I want to get him excited. I want him to open the email. I wanted to do this. And yeah. then there's this other mind that says, I need to prepare them for what's next. And that's boring, but it's important. And, yeah. and you, you need to find a, a halfway point that, or maybe a Venn diagram overlap or something. Well, let's talk right. about your book because I, I love this book. I I went crazy waiting for it. I got the advanced purchase <laughs> and said, it's coming any day now. Really? No, <laughs> just, just wait a couple more days. I, I'll, I'll get it to you. So here's here's <laughs> what I finally got. And I will say it's worth the wait. It's it's incredibly priced too low, but when you're doing a book, that's what you got to do. And it's a real gift to the world. So tell us about it. Thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate it. I Here's what's interesting. True story. The book was supposed to come out on, I think, whatever day it was, the 17th of November. And I was, as I was working on it, I said, I need to make this more digestible because I want people to be able to read it and understand it, di digest it without being overwhelmed. So I really, re I didn't redo the content, but I reformatted and went in a whole different direction. And then I had multiple updates. So anyway, I didn't mean to keep you waiting. It wasn't a, it wasn't a marketing scheme. <laughs> Either way, it worked great. I was really excited when I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that. So the, the book is, is called Subject Line Science, 11 Made You Look Secrets to Get Emails Opened and Read. What I didn't, because there wasn't really room, it's already a long subtitle. Uh, the most important part is getting them, getting them acted on. And, and really what we do is, is kind of what we, we've been talking about. We talk about how to generate curiosity. We talk about need 11. So, so for example, we think about, like I said, benefit-driven subject lines. We all know them. We've seen them. That's just one of 11 ways to get people to open an email. There's story-based subject lines where, we, where you can tell people or you telegraph that Inside this email, there's going to be a story. You know, I, I, I dreamt about your mom. You probably think there's a story inside there. He just didn't deliver on it. <laughs> he didn't deliver on that. One, of the, one that I wrote a couple well, of like Well, I dreamt about your mom. There, I think there's a story. I'm a little afraid to read it, but yeah. <laughs> Which is why you had to read it. <laughs> exactly. I, the tension is there. It's like, I got to know. I have to see what he's going to say about this. And I, I just wish he had told any kind of a story about anything other than she said, buy my product. <laughs> I may never read an email from him again. And I really like the guy, but he's, you know, that email did it for me. But one that I wrote that I think, like, for example, one that I wrote in, I don't know, it's probably 2018. Another pawn shop Christmas. It's three words. There's no benefit, but another, another pawn shop Christmas. It tells you a lot in just three words. Another means. Sounds like it's going to hurt. Before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you like, I wonder what's going on with that. It's not necessarily I don't I don't think it performed better than anything else, but I just always thought about that as like that six word Ernest Hemingway, the six word story, right? I did mm -hmm. it in three. 
<laughs> I didn't tell the whole story, but I, I got a lot across in that subject line. There's a lot like that. And you can do the same thing, but you can uh, communicate. There's a story inside and people love stories. People want to read stories. And then you put people, again, in a particular state of mind. They're not thinking you're trying to pitch them. I mean, they may know in the back of their mind there's a pitch, but there's a story first. I, at least I can read a story and be entertained, inspired, or learn a cool moral of, of whatever story you're trying to tell. So there's 11 kinds of subject lines like that I break down. There's actually probably a couple more, but I just talked about 11 that I found work really well. And because like Nathan said, the varying them up. You want you don't want to write send the same kind of subject line every time. Multiple different ways. And I remember Clayton Makepeace ham, hammering that home that point home for me. If you if you're showing up the same way every every time, people tune you out. They just do. So I got 11 different kinds. And really that's the the primary meat of of the book uh, also i have templates so each there's a million ways you can write these subject lines but i know from my experience a lot of people will say well how do i do it and so i've got some kind of templates for each subject line type i've got a bunch of examples in there and I'm, and then one of the things that we also talked about in the book is there are words that catch your eye so a subject line there could be one particular word people will just notice it your brain says that's an important word. And regardless of anything else, they may catch that. So I got a list of words that I believe fit that uh, description. There's something like 30, there's something like, well, there's like 96, 99, something like, <laughs> like that words in that. Yeah, and, and I wanna say as, as a guy who has some experience with templates himself, you did a great job with those templates. They're not just fill in the blank, you know, blank foods you should never eat on a blank. No, you can, you, you can you get number one, you can do that anywhere. Right. You, there's a thousand places you can get it. You don't need, I think Jay Abraham has like twenty five hundred. You could just, just go get them. I wanted to, to have something a little bit more flexible. And I hate templates myself. People keep telling me I should make templates and sell them. And I can't convince myself to do it, <laughs> despite the opportunist that I am, because I, I really dislike like but the general. What you did is you explained the, the psychology. You, you gave an example. You explained the psychology, which I think is so important. Nathan, I think you're here to tell us that we need to give the URL for the book and, and get out of here, right? Exactly, because while y'all were talking, I was like, I need to get my hands on this book. I went to Amazon and I couldn't find it there. So how do I get this book? It will be on, by the time this is live, it will prob probably be on Amazon. As, as we okay. speak, the designer's putting the finishing touches on it. Subjectlinescience.com will get you to a little tiny sales page on my website where it's currently housed. It will be on Amazon. It's shortly, like I said, probably by the time this is live, it will be there, depending on how long Amazon, you know, makes me, <laughs> makes me wait for them to approve it. And the same link will take you, I'll redirect it to the Amazon page. It's $9.99. I think that's a good price for a book, right? I actually agree. Sure. Number one, I thought this could be a, like expand out a little bit more and be in a course for more, but I really wanted it to be accessible. You know, everybody can get their hands on this. $9.99, $9 relatively good price. I was also feeling pressure as an ebook. Maybe it should be $4.99, $2.99, but I, <laughs> it's a good book. <laughs> the other thing is, in its current form, which is PDF, so it's, you know, eight and a half by 11, it's 70 pages, just about 70. It's like 11,000 words. And in the Kindle version, it's like 90. So it's a quick read also. You won't have to sit and take three weeks reading through it. You can get... You it know, get it is, but but there there's no fluff. And, and you said the web link a little fast, so... I'm, I'm going to say it real slow. <laughs> Subjectlinescience.com. 
Yes. I used to live uh, in Chicago. I, I, I know how fast people talk there. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Get I book. am going to say, number one, I'm going to get this book as soon as it's available. So I'm going to keep refreshing subjectlinescience.com in my browser. Donnie, this was a fantastic episode, man. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to learn more about you or connect with you, is there any preferred way or do you kind of like to stay uh, out of the limelight? Coming on the podcast is not the best way to stay out of the limelight, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't mind limelight or lemon light. Any kind of light is, is good for me. There's <laughs> That was lame. I apologize. Bad dad joke, right? There, but my website is Donnie-Bryant.com. So it's D-O-N-N-I-E. Not like Donnie Osmond with a Y, but Donnie with an I-E, Bryant.com. I'm on LinkedIn more than anything else if you want to find me on social. Facebook, I try to ignore. Twitter <laughs> is pointless for me, at this, or X, whatever it's called at, <laughs> at this point. But yeah, the website, and also the website, I don't update a ton, but you can get on my email list. And see what kind of crazy subject lines I'm going to send out next. That's not a bad idea if I do, if I may say so myself. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, I am anxiously waiting for it to be available. And hopefully by the time this episode goes live, listeners will be able to just click over and get it. We'll have the link in the show notes. You can find the show notes over at copywriterspodcast.com as well as previous appearances from Donnie on the episode or on the podcast. And while you're over there, make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast. We would appreciate that. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, guys. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.